We're in a series that we're starting today, a two-week series. And uh, last week was, I mean, last series was eight weeks. The next series that we're heading into for Christmas is called Missing Peace. And uh, we need peace. And Christmas is the time that sometimes we lose that peace because we were so hectic and things are so crazy. So I encourage you to bring your friends for that series. We're doing a two-week series called For Better or Worse. It's a series on marriage. And I, Pastor Dustin's going to preach next week. I'm going to preach this week. I told him, I'll take the better. He can take the worse. Isn't that kind of how we like to do it? You know, we like, to, we like the better parts of our marriage, but we don't like the worst parts. We like the good stuff, but not the bad stuff. Everyone likes the better. In fact, it'd be much easier if we took our vows and said for better, for richer, in wealth and in health. I mean, wouldn't that be easy? Everyone could do that. But the reality is it's for better or worse, richer or poor, sickness and in health till death do us part. And so um, today we're going to start that series uh, this two week. And I know two weeks is not enough. Uh, There's so much that can be said on this subject. And it's also not just for married people. If you're here today and go, man, I picked the wrong Sunday to show up here. I'm single. I got two daughters that are single right now. No, you did not pick the wrong Sunday because really it's about relationship. And we all have relationships. And it's about how we navigate those relationships God's way successfully. So the principles here, while I'm speaking more to married people today, the principles are the same for those who are single. It's the same principles as well. So hang on. You don't need to leave. We're in good shape there. But there is a couple good marriage series uh, that is about relationships more than just marriage. Uh, there's, it's about marriage, love, sex. Um, it's about um, uh, singleness and dating, and you can go to these two. There's, so this summer, I watched this series, Bayside Online. They're in Sacramento. It's a great church out there. They have several campuses. Uh, I, I kind of have a preference towards Granite Bay campus. So if you go to granitebay.com, I mean, .baysideonline.com, there's a series they did eight weeks this summer called For Better, For Worse. Um, I had my daughters uh, watch one of their series because it was just a perfect message about God's design and he and his and for single uh, when you're when you're single it was a great message Life Church Life Church in Oklahoma City uh, they're doing a message series their third week right now is called Save the Date another great series on relationships so just want to point you out some resources that are great we're just doing a two week short series here and when I thought about uh, this series, and when I thought about relationships and marriage, my, I immediately, sometimes when I think of uh, where we're going, a movie comes to mind. Oftentimes, a movie or sports illustration comes to my mind. In this case, it was a movie that immediately came to my mind. I thought, oh my goodness, that is total uh, marriage clip. I knew exactly what clip I wanted. I knew exactly, you don't have to have watched this movie to know this movie. It's just a short two, two and a half minutes. You'll get the idea. We're going to come back to this series on relationships as you watch this clip right here. Yes. It's Billy Bean of the Oakland Days. Yes. Can we talk? Uh, yeah. You want to let us in? Uh, pardon me? We're out front. What? On the curb. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
Ready? Oh, thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Very kind. <clears throat> How's the elbow, Scott? You know, it's good. It's really good. It's great. Uh... I can't throw the ball at yeah. all. You're throwing your last ball from behind home plate, is what I'd say. Huh. Good news is, we want you at first. We want you to play first base for the Oakland A's. Okay, well, I've only ever played catcher. Scott, you're not a catcher anymore. If you were, our call wouldn't have been the only one you got when your contract expired. Yeah, hey, listen, no, I I appreciate it. You're welcome. But the thing, the thing is, is uh, you don't know how to play first base. Scott? That's right. It's not that hard, Scott. Tell him, Wash. It's incredibly hard. Hey, anything worth doing is, and we're gonna teach you. Wait a minute here. I mean, what, what about, uh, you... Jason's gone, Scott. Giambi, you want me to take Giambi's spot at first base? Yeah. What about the fans? Yeah, maybe I can teach one of them. The fans don't... Good one. The fans don't run my ball club. That movie, I can quote too many lines from it, but... I love the part where he said, it's not that hard, it's incredibly hard. And I'm thinking, you know, marriage, I mean, if you're single, you might be thinking, hey, give me a shot at it, it's not that hard, it's hard. And you may be thinking, hey, uh, the opposite way is like, it's hard the other direction. It is hard, but I, there's so many messages I could take from that clip. One is, one is this, is we often, um, we often hide our hurts, you know? Scott's trying to hide that he's got a an arm that's not going to throw anymore. He can't do it anymore. And we were so good, especially professing Christians, we're so good at hiding our hurts. We're so good at coming into church and putting a smile on our face and saying everything's good. And I, I wish it was different, and I pray that it becomes different. But often in the church, the church is the last to hear about a couple's marriage struggles because they're putting on that face. And it should be the first place. Because we're not a country club, we're a hospital. We're all broken. We're, we're going to celebrate baptisms that people said, I need a Savior, I need Jesus, I'm not ashamed of it, that I need, I need a Savior, I need help, I need God. That's, where, that's, why, we, that's why we come. And so that's, that's one is we may hide our heart. The other thing is sometimes we need to change our approach. He's going to have to play a different position. Sometimes we need to change our approach and the way that we're approaching our relationships, our marriage, because the way we're doing is not working. So why keep doing the same thing over? We need to change the approach. And, you know, sometimes they, you know, you might be thinking, well, it's not that hard. It's incredibly hard. It's incredibly hard, but it's worth it. I love that. It's worth it. Marriage is worth it. God created marriage. It was by his design. It is worth it. Also, though, I know this. The last line he says is, we're going to teach you. I want to make sure that you're very clear today that that is not my position. That would sound very arrogant that I'm going to stand up here and say, I'm going to teach you everything about relationships and how good I do it. Because I'll be the first to say, no one does it perfectly. We all have struggles in our relationships because we're human, we're sinners, we're people. But what we are going to do is we're going to seek wisdom from God's Word today. We're going to seek wisdom from Him. And there's wisdom in God's Word for us if we will listen. 
And that's the very first word for us today uh, from the Proverbs says, listen as wisdom calls out. Here is understanding raises her voice. It's not something secretive or quiet. It's only for a select or a few. It, 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 it's, it's loud for all to hear on the hilltop along the road. She takes your stand at the crossroads. Maybe you're today, you're, you're at a crossroads. You're at a decision. You're, you're at a place that you're contemplating, maybe divorce. Maybe you're at a place you're contemplating a, a, a change in a relationship or calling off an engagement or, or asking for that engagement. I don't know. Maybe you're at a crossroads today. I believe there's wisdom. It doesn't matter if you're young, if you're old, if, if you're who you are. There's wisdom for each of us. By the gates at the entrance to the town on the road leading in, she cries aloud, I call to you, to all of you. This is an all skate. Wisdom is calling out to each and every one of us as we, if we listen to his voice, it says, I raise my voice to all people. God, I believe, wants to speak to each and every one of our hearts, no matter our situation, whether we're on the mountaintop or in the valley, I believe that God wants to speak to each of us. Are we listening? Are we open to what he has to say to us? Whatever season you're in, divorced, single, married, widowed, young, old, God's got wisdom for us to listen to today. Uh, I'm approaching the subject today of marriage from a place that I've never used before. Uh, There's places I've used from the Apostle Paul's teaching. There's places I've used from the Old Testament. But I've never used this, and yet I think this maybe is the best place to go because the best wisdom we can get is from the words of Jesus. And I'm going to take the words of Jesus today from a place that at first glance you may look at and say, this is not a marriage passage. It is a marriage passage because it's a relationship passage. It's God, it's through Christ telling us how we navigate relationships and what that looks like. And it's from the most famous sermon that's ever been preached or ever known, the Sermon on the Mount. And so today, if you'll join me, um, if you want to join along, I have some notes. You can join me. I'm calling this seven ways to bulletproof your marriage. Uh, for those of you that have been here a long time, you, you know the great Larry Doskasil. Um, this was his church. He died last year at 91. Um, I mean, he just was a great man for our church, our community. Uh, he was a great entrepreneur, and he was an inventor. And he was always trying to invent things. You know, I was, I was wanting him to invent. He was even doing some kind of donut. I was hoping he was going to create a sugar-free, no-calorie, no-guilt, good-tasting donut. If anyone creates that, I'm all in. I mean, we're all after. But he, he likes to invent things. And one of the things before he died, I mean, till the very end, he was, his mind was always thinking about doing stuff. And the last year of his life, I went out to his house and he showed me one of his inventions that he had, they'd been working on. And it was, it was going to be for the government, to sell to the government. It was to be used for our military in the wars that we would fight, that there's a wall that was built and you could shoot outside. You could shoot at your enemy but the, the, the bullet shot back at you uh, hit the wall and, and, and dis, dispersed. I mean, it's kind of weird how to think or whatever. Uh, they did some target. They, it was, they were making some progress with it. You think, how can you possibly shoot out and not be shot back at? But he was trying to create something where our military could play offense and defense. And to have a successful relationship and in our marriages, we have to play good offense and we have to play good defense all at the same time. And I believe this passage is about offense and defense. And I believe Jesus starts out going out on the offensive when he starts off with the famous Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5, 
The first part, and here's the first part of your, your notes, is begin with the right attitude and stay future focused. Begin with the right attitude and stay future focused. Jesus said these words, blessed are the poor in spirit. In fact, you'll hear nine different times he says, blessed, blessed, blessed. And the last thing he says, which we're not going to read today, he says, rejoice. And what things are we blessed about? Well, it doesn't seem very blessed to me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. What? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed. Where's the blessing in some of these things? The blessing is this. God sees the whole picture, and he wants us to have the right attitude no matter what our situation is because nothing is going to last forever. You may be in something right now, and I believe this is a, it's God showing you that it, it's Jesus sharing with us, this isn't going to last forever. If you're going to hunger and thirst for it, there's going to be a time where you're going to be filled with his righteousness. If, if you will, there's a time that maybe you're persecuted, but it's not always going to be that way. Rejoice and be glad. There's, he's talking about a blessed life. It's important that we start with the right attitude, no matter what season we're in, because nothing lasts forever. And it's better to have, everyone goes through crud. Every single one of us in this room uh, at least in the last month, probably in the last week, everyone went, went through some crud this week. Now, to different levels of crud. If you're one of those that you had an awesome week, I'm not trying to talk you down into a bad week. I'm praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for good weeks. Praise God for that. But the reality is we have bad weeks too. But we get to choose our attitude. We get to choose our attitude. If we're going to choose, we're going to be blessed through it. And we're going to choose to be future focused that God has something out there for us, that there's still something before us. And we know this, that our attitude is so, so important. It's either an attractant or it's a repellent. Our, our, attitude, our attitude makes such a difference. We all go through stuff, but we know people that, and hopefully we are becoming those people that no matter what happens, we are choosing to have a blessed attitude. We're choosing to be future-focused, to, to have a, a fragrance uh, and not something that repels others. There's nothing more attractive to me than when I see people going through a hard time and they're still giving praise to God. Because it's easy to praise God on the mountaintops. It's hard to praise God in the valleys. But when we're praising God in the valleys, when we're like the song we sang, we praise him in life, we praise him in death. We're saying, we trust you. No matter what, our faith, our confidence in you, we trust you. So the first is our attitude. The second is realize your purpose. Realize your purpose. In the second part of his message, he said, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is it if its salt loses its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You're the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on the stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. The light shines brightest in the darkness. And when you're going through darkness and we're living in a dark world, your light shines brightly. You are to be salt. We're to be light. Marriage has a divine purpose. It's meant to reflect the glory of God. And actually, 
Pastor Dustin is going to be sharing about this next week, about the purpose of marriage. And so I don't want to take too much of his thunder, but I just want to say this. Your marriage is bigger than you. Your marriage is meant to bless others. And I know that goes against the way of the world. The way of the world is my marriage is for one purpose, to make me happy. And if you've watched The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, no matter how many episodes, if you've seen every season, it is the same plot, the same storyline, happy, 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 I'm not happy, not happy, not happy, 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 not happy, so I'm out because I'm not happy. That's not God's plan. God's plan for us is not for us to be happy. He's not an anti-happy God. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be blessed. But that happiness comes from our focus being on him, that it's bigger than us. Our marriage is bigger than us. It's, it, it's meant to, to, to leave a good taste in other people's mouth. But when we understand the purpose, and again, I'll let Pastor Dustin speak to that next week. The third thing is fight for peace, not reconciliation. I mean, and reconciliation. That doesn't make any sense. Make sure you're fighting for peace, but not reconciliation. I'm glad we get a chance to do do-overs here. Fight for peace and reconciliation. Fight to make your home a place of peace, a place of safety, a place of refuge. We're all going to have fights. Uh, Heather and I, we're not exempt because I'm a pastor, and she's a great teacher. We, we all have fights, but let's fight harder to have peace in our home, to have reconciliation. And that takes work. It's easy to, to, to do it the other way. The best gift you can give your kids is a home of peace, a home of place of refuge. Not stuff, not things. The best gift that you can give your home and, and work toward this Christmas is to give your home uh, uh, to fight for peace and reconciliation. And the reality is this. We have fights, and most of the time I feel that I'm right. In fact, most of our fights, 100% of the time, Going into it, I feel I'm right. And I feel Heather is 100% wrong. Guess where she comes from? She comes from, she's 100% right. I'm 100% wrong. It's the same in your relationship. You, you go into that and you have a difference. But here's the deal. Who cares? So what if you are on, you're 100% right? So what if they're 100% wrong? So what? We were 100% wrong God was 100% right. Jesus was 100% right. And he didn't come to seek his rightness. He came to reconcile us. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He came not to prove that he was right in his judgment. He didn't come to condemn us. He didn't come to judge us. He came to make us right with him. Make the goal of your relationship. Make the goal of when you fight. Seek to Seek to fight for peace and reconciliation. Seek for the relationship, not for the rightness. You know, it's interesting. Verse, I don't think I've shared the verse yet. You have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka is answered is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift to God. Isn't it interesting that Jesus puts murder 
and anger in the same sentence, in the same paragraph? Isn't it interesting that he would do that? You think most of you are going to like, I'm not a murderer. And by the way, if you are, there's forgiveness. Uh, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't go to jail. I mean, I, want, I start going to deep waters when I do stuff. But anyway, I'm just saying, I get there's a difference between murder and anger. I get you think, okay, I'm not a murderer. I don't do that. And we kind of dismiss anger. Jesus doesn't dismiss it. He takes it seriously. And we may be thinking, I'm not killing anybody. We're, we can be killing our marriage with our words, with our tongue. This thing here causes lust. I said, this thing here causes wars. The tongue is a dangerous thing, and it has the power to bring life, and it has the power of death. And if we can bring life into our relationships, or it can bring death into our relationships. And sometimes we don't, the enemy just likes to get at us, and we, do, we don't even know. Guys, anybody not know that you did something wrong, you did something wrong? I mean, don't leave me hanging out here by myself. Anybody? Okay, thank you, Cliff. I appreciate that. There's a lot of liars in here, but we're starting to get some truth tellers. I mean, they're saying sometimes, guys, are we dumb? I mean, don't answer that question out loud. I mean, we don't want to do that. But sometimes we're dumb and we don't get it. You know, Friday, I think it was Friday or was it yesterday? I think it was Friday. We were driving down 30th, heading to Highway 61, and we're getting ready to turn right. My brother-in-law's with me. Heather's with me. Uh, we're heading out, we're heading out um, towards the Walmart area. And I turn right onto 61, and I go into my left lane immediately because we're eventually going to be turning left. And this guy comes zooming by me, jumps right in front of me, and he, I mean, and he hits the brakes, and he's slowing down. We're going about 40, 45 in a 55, and I'm thinking, he's mad. I can tell he's mad because we can see this mouth moving, and it wasn't, bless you, God bless you, I love you, and may Lord's peace with you. It was none of that. I mean, it was speaking in tongues, if you know what I will. I mean, there was all sorts of words we could tell. And he was just going nonstop. And then there was a car up here that, that was worth fixing his tire. So I thought, get in my right lane. So we're give them some space. He immediately gets over right in front of me. I was like, this guy's mad. I don't even know what I did. I mean, obviously I did something. But I'm honestly clueless. I'm just trying to play it cool. Because these days you don't know if someone has a gun or whatever else. Like, I just want to get out of this alive. That's all I care about. Just want to get out of this alive. So we get down to the Chick-fil-A and we're about ready to turn left. And he gets over in his left lane and he turns left. Well, he's still in front. And I'm going, I don't know where he's going, but I don't know where, where he's going. So he turns into Walmart. We didn't turn into Walmart. I don't care if we were going to Walmart or not or Home Depot. We're going somewhere else. I didn't know what I did. Heather didn't know what he did. Kelly didn't know what we did, but he was mad. He was upset. You know what? Sometimes we didn't mean it. We didn't know what we did. And I'm not excusing it, but sometimes we have to Fight to reconcile and talk those things out, and, but fight to, to work it out. Let me move on. Fight for purity. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 5. He said, you have heard that it is said, you should not commit adultery. But I tell anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with his, within his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. We are to fight for purity. No matter what 
season of life that we're in. Oftentimes we talk to our daughters and we talk to our young people and say, you know, fight for purity, fight, stay pure, save yourself, those things. But there's a fight that we need to fight when we're married. We've got to fight for purity. We are bombarded in a society of impurity. Forty million Americans regularly visit porn sites. Not just men, one in three women. Eighty-seven percent of college-aged men struggle with this. Thirty-one percent of ladies. And no one's exempt from this. Forty to 45% of pastors, they say, struggle with this. We all have struggles with, and, and God's saying, okay, as long as you don't do the act, you're good. No, he says, if you think it, you're guilty. So we're all guilty of murder or adultery or whatever because we've crossed God's standard, which is really high. Thank, thank God for his grace, but it doesn't mean he doesn't want us to fight it. How do we fight this? Two things I want to share about in fighting purity. Number one is flee. Don't try to engage. We've had two golden retrievers, Nellie for 10 years before she passed, and then we've had, uh, we've had Molly the last two years. Both are not great guard dogs, meaning when push comes to shove, we're probably going to die, not them. <laughs> They're not dog fighters, but they approach it totally differently. Molly barks and naps, and you would think she is tough. She is not tough. Nellie, she just ran straight to her crate, straight downstairs. If she sensed danger, she was gone. Friends, that's the way we're to fight temptation. Don't engage it. Don't fight it. Flee. Flee temptation, Scripture admonishes us to do. Flee the things. Don't, don't engage. If, if you got some things on your TV cable package that shouldn't be there, get rid of it. Don't engage it because if you struggle with it, you're going to lose it. So you got to... You, one thing is to, is to flee. The other thing is don't go it alone. The enemy wants to isolate, especially Christians, the enemy wants to isolate you into a little cocoon because he knows if he can get you into a small space, the light can't get into that darkness. But when we expose it to the light, all sorts of freedom comes. I think of King David who he had committed adultery. He covered up by having Uriah sent to the front lines and murdered. So he's an adulterer. He's a murderer. He thought he got away with it. He thought he was the only one that knew about it. God revealed it to a prophet. The prophet shared it with them. And look at the transformation that took place in David's life. He said, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy upon me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. When we try to hide, when we try to, when we try to rationalize it, when we try to put it out and, and put it to pass, we just, it zaps our energy. Sin zaps our energy. But look at the good news. David said, finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me, and all my guilt is gone. All my guilt is gone. God wants nothing more than to cleanse you of all your sin and cleanse you of your guilty conscience. He wants to wipe out all your guilt, but it doesn't come until we confess that we need him. But there's also a confession with the body of Christ. The half-brother of Jesus, James, says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Not forgiven. Only Jesus forgives. 
But there's something about healing when we expose our darkness to light. And I'm not saying you expose your, your stuff to everybody. You come make it public. You do it up here. No, I'm just talking. You find a trusted friend or two that you know that they love you like a brother or sister. And, and they're not there to condemn you. They're to hold, they'll hold you accountable, but they're not to condemn you. They're not, they're not there to judge you. They're, they're there so you can expose your darkness to the light so the enemy loses his power on you because when we expose it to the light, that's when freedom comes. Then fight on your knees. We talked about the Lord's Prayer last Sunday, and so I'm not going to hit this very hard, but I did say this, uh, and you've heard this cliche, but I believe it, a couple that prays together stays together. There's something about when we fight with, with, with for one another, when we're praying for each other. And I just want to challenge the guys in here in this room. I want to challenge you for the next seven days. I want to challenge you to, to ask your wife, can we pray together? Can we pray? Maybe it's something if you're not used to this. Maybe you're already doing That's great. Keep doing it. But maybe you've never done this. It's kind of weird for you. It's like, I don't, I don't even know. I don't like to you know, pray by myself. I don't even know what to say. God doesn't care what you say. He cares about the heart. Just, hey, can we pray together? I guarantee you, she's, her answer is going to be yes. Guarantee you, she wants this. And I guarantee you, she doesn't care how well you do it. She's just wanting this. She's wanting this in her life. If she's following Jesus, she's wanting you to take the lead in this way and say, can we pray together? And, and don't say, can I pray for you? Don't start there. That's kind of like, I know you need prayer. <laughs> I'm good, but hey, how can I serve you? How can I do? What can I do for you? No, how, how can we pray for us? How can we battle together? How can we get on our knees and how can we pray? It doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't matter. Don't worry about the time. But your wife will love the effort if you do it. And, and she's not going to say, well, the pastor told you. She won't do that. I promise you. If she does, I don't know. Anyway, fight. <laughs> fight to keep God first. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek him first in everything. I think the next verse was coming up. Do not store up for yourselves treasures in earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Put God first. Not your spouse first. Put God first, not your children first. God actually gives you more love than you possibly have the capacity for when you put him first, not less. Don't put your children above your spouse. Don't put your spouse above God. Seek God first and everything seems to work a lot, lot better. It does work better. Keep God first. Fight to keep God first in your life, in your marriage, in your finances, in your relationships, in your family. And then finally, fight the urge to judge. It's natural inclination of our hearts. We don't want to be judged, but we're good at judging others. Fight the urge to judge, especially in your marriage. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge other, others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use it, it's going to be measured to you. We all want mercy. None of us want justice. We want the mercy of God. And God says, mercy triumphs. Jesus said, mercy triumphs over judgment. And my encouragement, I don't know if I'm talking to anybody or not, but give up the judgment seat in your marriage. Give up the judgment seat in your marriage. 
They probably already know where they're falling short, where they're not making it, where they're not doing it right. Give up the judgment seat. In the same way that you want to be treated as the golden rule, treat others and you will win a friend. And finally, I'll just wrap it up with this. Jesus wrapped up this great message, the best message that was ever, ever preached. And he said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, not perfection, practice. It's work. None of us can get this right, but fight for purity. Fight for the relationship. Fight for reconciliation. Put that into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put it into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Lord, help us to build our house on the rock. Would you pray for me? Pray for me. I'll take your prayer. How about I'll pray for us? I'll pray for you, and you pray for me. I'll take it. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love for us. And Lord, I just pray that different things were shared, different things maybe hit or touched our hearts today. I pray that you would give us ears to listen. And Lord, I pray that you would give us hands and feet of obedience. Help us to fight for our marriage. Help us to fight for our relationships with those we love. It's so easy to hold our tongue and to bite our tongue when it comes to people that we don't even know. We just hold back, but it's so easy to let our tongue go down a path with our, those we love the most, those we're closest to. Help us to guard our, our, our lives. Help us to guard our tongues. Help us to guard our actions. Help us to fight for one another. Help us to fight together, Lord, because it's so much bigger than what we are. We want you to receive all the glory and all the praise. And I thank you, God, for these nine that are about to be baptized. And I pray, Lord, as they are baptized today, they are saying that they're putting a stake in the ground, that they're building their foundation on the rock of Jesus Christ. We celebrate that faith. We celebrate that receiving you as their Savior. And so, Lord, today, thank you for this time that we're going to have in baptism, that we get to celebrate these nine that are going public with their faith, that they're on your side. They're going with Jesus. They received you in Jesus' name. Amen.